0: you <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to the Career Metis podcast. This is your host Nisar Ahmad. If you're joining us for the first time, what we do here at the podcast is we focus on providing advice, actionable ideas for job seekers, hiring managers, freelancers. And this is actually episode 109 of the Career Metis podcast. And this particular episode is part of the industry expert series. So what we have done in the industry expert series, we have brought on individuals so have a lot of expertise in a particular industry. And they give us an inside scoop. They tell us a little bit about what it is like to work in the industry, any advice for anyone who wants to get into it, and so on. And our industry expert guest today is Jerry Williams. Jerry Williams served 26 years as a special agent with the FBI. Yes, it is the FBI I'm talking about, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And I'm very excited to learn more as we go along. But something more about her experience here. During her FBI career, Jerry specialized in cases targeting major economic crime and corruption. Post-FBI retirement, Jerry served as the spokesperson and director of media relations for SEPTA, which is Philadelphia's public transportation provider. Both positions often placed her in the spotlight in front of local and national news media. Jerry is currently using her communication and media experience to host and produce a popular podcast, FBI Retired Case File Review where she interviews retired FBI agents about their high-profile cases and careers, corrects cliches and misconceptions about the FBI in books, TVs, and movies, and reviews uh, crime fiction. She's also a published author, and we'll learn about that as well. But I think it's better that we learn more from Jerry than me reading this off. So, uh, hey, Jerry, welcome to the podcast.
1: Why, thank you, Nassar. It's great to be here. It's not every day
0: one gets to speak to someone who has served in the FBI for 20-plus years. So, I'm really excited. I think uh, the audience as well will love to know more, but we'd like to start off by, maybe you can take us back how you got started, a little bit about yourself and how, how and why you got started with the FBI.
1: Well, I actually was a juvenile probation officer in Virginia before I joined the FBI. It was a very rewarding career working with young people, but these were young people that had some serious criminal issues and who had been adjudicated to go away to reform school. And I was very young at the time. I had just just graduated from college. And although I loved the job, it was really something that I knew that I would burn out quickly. I was providing and giving so much of myself. And I looked for something that I thought might be a little easier. And uh, I saw the FBI, and I thought, oh, this is something different. And the reason I say easier because of the, uh, the emotional toll that uh, juvenile probation, being a juvenile probation officer, had on somebody who at my young age might not have been ready to guide the life of young people. I wasn't a parent myself, but I saw something about the FBI looking for women and minorities, and I am an African American female, and I called the local office and I was sold. So, uh, what I'm
0: hearing is this is not, I mean, when you were. Going through your higher education at that point, you were not thinking about this. It just because of your experience, this just uh, the path just opened up for you.
1: Exactly. Now, my roommate in college, and still my best friend now, after she graduated, she became a police officer in Baltimore, and that opened my eyes to a possibility of a career in law enforcement, but I was a psychology major. And so I was looking for something more in the counseling, you know, psychology field. But when I saw that ad for the FBI, I wasn't turned off because of the fact that, you know, I had a roommate who was a police officer and the great part of the story is that several years after I joined the FBI, she also became a special agent with the FBI and, and had a full career with the organization also.
0: So, I mean, most people have some idea about the FBI. And going back to the intro, many of them I think are cliches and misconceptions. But for those of who are not really educated about what the FBI does, would you mind shedding a very high-level overview?
1: Yeah. The FBI is a law enforcement agency. And since 9-11 has also become intelligence-driven. And so agents work on a variety of violations. Matter of fact, there's more than 200 violations of federal law that the FBI investigates, such things as crimes against children, cybercrime, drug investigations, espionage, frauds and scams, which is what I did, hate crimes, civil rights violations, organized crime property crime public corruption serial murder terrorism there are just a violent crime there's just so many different crimes that the fbi investigates and i think in some cases people would be surprised at all the things that we're involved in you know we keep this nation safe and we make sure that the federal laws are followed
0: now you didn't mention variety of violations and in your intro, I noticed that in your bio, that you were focusing as a special agent on targeting economic crime and corruption. So, is that the case where every agent, there are agencies without, within the bureau that focus on different uh, violations?
1: Yeah, there are different squads. You know, you see that on TV. You know, you can you become a member, or you're assigned to a squad that specializes in a particular violation. And some agents, like myself, may concentrate and develop a specialty in investigations. So under economic fraud, I would investigate advanced fee schemes and Ponzi schemes and business-to-business telemarketing frauds. You know, those are the type of things I concentrated on. But in the FBI, you can move around, and that's the great thing. You don't have to get bored. And if you're working a type of violation, And after a while, you want to do something different, then you can raise your hand and go work terrorism or go work bank robberies or go work, you know, healthcare fraud. That's one of the great things that we do so much in the FBI that you have an opportunity for a variety of experiences. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. So
0: now I want to switch gears. Someone, let's say someone listening to this, they are very much intrigued. And what are some of the pre requirements? that they need. In your case, you had a psychology major. You also had experience as a probation officer. Uh, Is that a prerequisite?
1: Yes. Well, let me just tell you, the basic ones are that you have to be a U.S. citizen. You have to be able to obtain a top secret sensitive compartmental information clearance, which means you can't have anything in your background that's going to stop you from getting that clearance, that top secret clearance. And you're going to have to be able to comply with the FBI's drug policy, which is no use of marijuana in the last three years, no recreational use of marijuana in the last three years, no use of any type of drugs that are heavier for the last 10 years. And so I like to make sure that people get that information right away, because if they're in college now and, and you know they might be using some type of recreational drugs, they need to know that that's going to delay their application process if they don't immediately, you know, stop use of uh, illegal drugs. Now, as far as really detailed requirements, you can join or apply between the ages of 23 and up to the age of 37. So you cannot be 37 or older. And that's because there's a mandatory retirement age of 57 And a requirement of 20 years of experience. So there's no way that you can meet those requirements if you're hired after 37. Now, there's, of course, exceptions if you are coming from another agency, such as Secret Service or or NCIC or something, or or NCIS or one of those other federal law enforcement agencies. There's some exceptions there. But those are the, the basic requirements. Of course, the four year college degree. And to be very, very competitive, in most cases, you need to have experience, managerial level experience.
0: And the college degree, could there be any four-year college degree or does it have to be something in, um, like for example, your case, you had a psychology degree. I'm just curious on that part.
1: Now, um, that's a great question because a lot of people think, you know, they need to major in criminology. And, and then some have heard that the FBI is looking for accountants and attorneys. And really what the FBI is looking for is people that can do the job. So we have hired people that were business majors or education majors. The college degree is can, could be in any field. Definitely what's more important is the experience that you bring with you. I
0: also wanted to touch on Competition, so I know because it's a federal agency, there is a limited number of entry per year. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can tell me about tell us about that. Is there a yeah, could you share like how many agents are hired every year, or is there a limit?
1: Well, each year it varies based on the needs of the bureau and of course budget. but I can tell you that it is a very competitive application process. And right now, the admission rate is about 5%. So about 5% of the people who apply to become a special agent are actually hired. So the more competitive you are, you know, the added experience, the added degrees, language skills, you know, accounting, if you're a, a CPA or you have a law degree, uh, if you are in the sciences and you, you know, you bring with you an engineering experience, all of those make the candidates even more competitive so that they stand out above the crowd. But yes, it's a very competitive job application. Yeah, I
0: I can imagine. Given the high profile the organization has, even not just in the U.S. or Canada, everyone in the globe knows what the FBI does. So I can imagine the amount of competition. One thing I also wanted to ask about, you you mentioned a lot of education, age. What about health? Uh, You mentioned about drug policy do they have a rigorous
1: health requirements? Yeah, definitely for fitness. It is an academy. When you join the FBI, you are sent to the FBI Academy, which is located in Quantico, Virginia, not on the Marine base, but facility next to the Marine base. And you're there for 20 weeks. And during that 20 weeks, in addition to the educational aspects, learning all the, the legal things, what you can do, what you can't do, learning about the different violations and interviewing skills, etc. cetera. You're also going to be trained in physical fitness, running, you know, boxing, all kinds of push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, you know, all of that. You're, you're expected to be in excellent physical condition before you get to the academy, and they actually test you in the field before you're given your appointment to the academy. The other aspect of training at the academy is firearms you know you're trained in the pistol and the shotgun and the rifle and you know those are very serious uh, aspects of, of training and they're all three of them you have to excel in in order to you know pass all the requirements and graduate from the FBI Academy okay
0: I also wanted to ask about you spent twenty six years and you said that is a the tenure is anywhere from twenty two 20 to 34 years, depending on when they join. What is a typical day? I know it's, it's very difficult to say because there are so many different branches and all that, but what would a typical day look like?
1: Yeah, I think for most people and most squads, it's similar. I mean, you come into the office, you have your own cases. I think one of the things that I like to say to give people an understanding of what it's like to be an FBI agent is to say that each agent almost runs their own business. They have their own cases and they have to decide when they're going to work, when the business opens, when the business closes. They have to decide on the manpower. Do they need to go out and do this by themselves? Do they need help from their squad members? And they need to look at resources. You know, do I need to bring in monitoring service, electronic services? Do I need a a surveillance team? Do I need, you know, what other techniques and, and tools do I need in order to get the job done. And that's the responsibility of each case agent. Now they don't necessarily do everything themselves because they need to work as a team. I mean, teamwork is very, very important. So when you come into the office each day, you know, you open up your case and then you're going to have lots of cases. You may have two or three, you know, if you've got a, a, a violation that is really complex. Or you may have as many as 20 or 25 cases, but you decide what you need to work on that day. And you know, if you think what you need to do is go out and interview witnesses or subjects, then you set that up. If you need to go to the U.S. Attorney's Office and talk to one of the prosecutors about elements of the case that might be needed, then you'll do that. Or if you need to put together search warrants, arrest warrants, or if you just need to you know, roll up your sleeve and start going through boxes of evidence that you may have. That's what a typical day is. And no matter if you're working drugs or terrorism or white collar crime, those are the things that you need to do. You need to gather evidence and then you need to assess that evidence and put it together in a way that's going to allow you to work with prosecutors in order to get to the next step, which would be, of course, Arresting somebody, getting them to court, and hopefully finding justice.
0: I was just going back to the notes I wrote when you were saying about the requirements. I can see why it is 5% because it sounds like someone, it, it takes a different type of a person someone who's entrepreneurial, someone who has managerial experience, who can prioritize. And whether, like, not everybody in the population out there can do that. So that goes back to the rigorous requirements despite the education, despite the health and fitness, I can see that being the differentiating factor.
1: Yeah. I actually had a discussion with somebody who's thinking about applying for the FBI a few days ago. And one of the things that I stressed to him was confidence. You have to be able to be a confident person, not that you know everything, but in your mind, when you get into a situation and you don't know everything that you can say to yourself, Hey, I can figure this out. You know, this is, you know, it's a, it's a new situation. It's a new experience, but I have the confidence in myself that I'm going to be able to figure this out. And that's what we're looking for. We're just looking for people who can put themselves into a new and different situation and figure it out.
0: That probably has to be the best definition of confidence I've heard because, you know, the traditional, when you think of confidence, you think about bravado, you think about having no fear, but even if you don't know something, you believe in yourself that you will figure it out, that is confidence. I think that is just, that's probably the best definition I've heard in general about confidence.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. And I think that gives people a clear understanding of what we're looking for. We we certainly don't want that person coming in who thinks that, you know, he's got the answer to everything. Because one of the things you want as in any type of law enforcement is to have a person that is fair and unbiased and will come into a situation and look for facts. You know, you heard that old line, just the facts, ma'am. And that's what we're looking for. So we don't want somebody who already has the answers.
0: Exactly. And uh, that makes total sense. I also wanted to ask you the flip question. You told me about all the rigorous requirements and what is required. but someone you probably know more than others, like you've done this, you you did it for 26 years. What would you say for someone joining that you should be aware of are the challenges that they will face? Because it's it's not like getting a job. This is like your career. You're going to be there for a long time. So what are some of the things they need to be aware of?
1: I do think that the commitment level is way beyond any job or any career that uh, most people would have, you know, so you truly have to look at the FBI as a mission, a calling, you know, something that is part of you. So the FBI is not something, I, I think the great line, and I know some people have thoughts about Director Comey, former Director Comey, but he had a great line and he said, the FBI is not something that you do. It's something that you are. And I loved that. And so I use that often. It really, I mean, here I am. I actually retired from the FBI. It will be 10 years in November. And I'm still very connected to the FBI. Not only am I vice chair of our local chapter of the Society of Former Special Agents of the FBI. But as you mentioned, I do a weekly podcast where I interview retired FBI agents about their careers and some of the biggest cases in the FBI. And I do that because I'm on a mission, again, to show the public what the FBI does and who the FBI really is. And so that's when I talk about commitment to the agency Even 10 years later, I tell people, I'm still an agent. I'm still a special agent with the FBI. I'm just retired. That's actually great. It's not what you do,
0: who you are. Uh, That's another golden nugget from this interview. And I'm now curious about your uh, life post-retirement. You said you retired 10 years ago. First of all, congratulations. You had a long tenure there and you're you're still... As you said, you're still connected. You have a podcast. But you're also a published author. And one of the reasons you're doing the podcast, one of the many reasons when I read your bio was you wanted the public to understand about the misconceptions. And you, I've noticed you've had 100 plus interviews and you're still going. Why do you think that podcast, I mean, one is awareness, but why do you think it is important for the public to know?
1: Well, when I first started out with the podcast, I'll be honest, I started the podcast because I was trying to find a way to find potential readers. So I write crime fiction and all of my books are inspired by actual FBI cases. And so I thought, well, how can I reach people, reach an audience that would be interested in reading, you know, crime fiction about the FBI? And then I thought about I, I was listening to podcasts, and so I thought, okay, I'll do a podcast, and I know lots of agents you know in Philadelphia, and I have the ability to contact you know as as a lot of agents because I am a member of the Society of former special agents of the FBI and so I started the podcast for that reason, but then, later in that year is when the FBI was kind of thrust into the political climate, and people were starting to question the FBI's integrity and their independence. And so I really wanted to show the public what the FBI did, because there just seemed to be so much confusion and thoughts about the FBI being able to be swayed or being able to be, you know, politicized. And when you listen to these, I just posted my 130th interview. When you listen to those case reviews and you get a better understanding of what it takes to put a case together, all the people that are involved, all the boxes that have to be ticked, and and all the requirements and all the guidelines that we have to follow, then I think people will be able to get a real good understanding that they shouldn't believe everything that they're hearing, all of this negative stuff, because that's not what the FBI does, and that's not who the FBI is. And I make sure that on my show, it's nonpartisan. I never get political. You know, even the statements that I'm making now, I'm just going to provide you with facts. I'm just going to show you what I like to say when, when something big happens in the news and it's connected to the FBI and, and people asking about it. I just say, I'm going to let these 130 interviews that I've done with retired agents, I'm going to let them speak for me. That, that's actually amazing.
0: And if that just goes back to your dedication to the bureau, and even after retiring, you're still putting the voice. Because think about it. I mean, the, it is a very, very important career to the Valley to bring to the society and what they do. And it's amazing how one or two new segments can change the perception of the public about the profession. And I'm glad you're doing that. And I can totally hear your conviction and passion from your voice and also listening to your podcast as well.
1: Yeah, there are currently about 37,000 FBI employees. Out of that, nearly 14,000 are special agents who are working now. And what I want to make sure is that manufactured negativity about the FBI doesn't hurt them, doesn't stop them from being able to do their job. And I think what people don't understand is when this false information gets out, when an agent goes to somebody's door and is asking for cooperation or calls them on the phone and is asking for them to provide information, if those people feel that they can't trust the FBI, then they may not cooperate. And if they don't cooperate, we may not be able to get valuable information that we need, that we need to get every day to keep Americans safe. And so, you know, somebody's out there putting out negativity, I'm out there hopefully putting out positivity about the FBI. That is amazing. I did not know that
0: number 14,000 out of, and just to put things into scope, there are 350 million American, uh, like the, the population of the U S and there's mm-hmm. 14,000 agents.
1: Yes. Wow. Um, and those 14,000 agents work in 56 major field offices throughout the country. And many of those 56 field offices have smaller satellite offices that, you know, may only have, you know, two or three or, you know, five agents in them. But we are, we're spread throughout the United States. But what people don't know is that we also have agents who are signed around the world who operate out of uh, American embassies in, you know, Egypt or in France and, you know Moscow, but in in countries all through the world, you know FBI agents are present. They're not actually doing investigations; they're working with that country's law enforcement and security personnel in order to get the FBI's mission accomplished. But the FBI, those fourteen thousand agents, are sprinkled all around the world, you know, trying again to gather information. To, it's, uh, to develop intelligence to you know, keep Americans safe.
0: Which brings me to be the, next, the next question I had because in your, your podcast, you specialize in interviewing retired agents and you yourself are retired as well. So what, I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, uh, what, do, what do they typically do after? You said the mandatory retirement age is 57. What do they typically do?
1: Yeah, so the, as, as you said, the, the mandatory age is 57. Most agents, after they've had 20 years in, Will start to look to leave in their early fifties because you know there's age discrimination, you know, for uh, men and women and FBI agents as well. So they're a little bit more marketable, you know. Their their potential employers will feel they'll, they'll stick around a little bit longer if they hire them in their early fifties instead of their late fifties. And so many agents leave, you know, between the ages of fifty and and fifty two, and Many of them become director of security for corporations or compliance people, directors. Many of them are adjunct professors at colleges teaching criminal justice and and law. There are many that work for nonprofits and, you know, there are just so many jobs. I I ended up being in my last five years with the FBI, which you can probably get where I get some of my mission from. I was actually the media coordinator and spokesperson for the Philadelphia office. And so I took those media skills, those spokesperson skills, and and I got myself another job working for the public transportation center system in, in Philadelphia. So there's so many ways that you can take the experience that you've had in the FBI and transfer that to a job outside of the agency. Because again, when you're in your early 50s or even 57. That's a little bit too young to, to stay at home and play golf all day. And after working you know, a dedicated job and, and being so involved in your career, many agents aren't ready to, you know, to put their feet up at that time. So there's a, a variety of jobs that uh, agents get, but almost everyone after retirement does take on, and in many cases, what would be their third career. So you've shared a lot of amazing information
0: here. And unfortunately, there's only 30 minutes in our interview. I I know that I could go on with a lot of questions. But after listening to this, if the audience wanted to find out more, they wanted to connect with you, they wanted to learn more, where where can they do that? How how could they find you?
1: Yes, I'm at jerrywilliams.com. So that's j-e-r-r-i-williams.com. I'm also on Twitter, jerrywilliams1. I'm also on Facebook, uh, jerrywilliamsauthor. And so, and and LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn too under under Jerry Williams. So they can find me at all places. Of course, the home is jerrywilliams.com. That's where they can access my podcast, FBI Retired Case File Review, which of course is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all of your favorite podcast apps. And then of course, you can also find me with my books. I have a crime fiction series about a female FBI agent working corruption and fraud on the Corruption Squad of Philadelphia. And my books are under my name, Jerry Williams, at Amazon.com. I'll make sure to add all of these in the show notes when the episode goes live.
0: This has been really, really educational and lots of great insights that you've shared. Before we wrap up, any last words that you'd like to share with the audience? Yes,
1: yeah, so I want to make sure that people understand that the FBI's core values are professionalism and independence. And we do our work with tried and true investigative processes. And that's why at this time, less than 1%, 0.8%, we have an 8 point, uh, excuse me, a 1.8% attrition rate. That says something about how invested they are in the organization.
0: That's a great way to wrap up and professionalism, independence and the retention rate. Jerry, thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast.
1: Thank you. I am so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Thanks everyone for listening to yet another episode of the Career Matters podcast. I have written a brief summary with all the notes and all the amazing ideas that Jerry has shared. You can see, get it in, in the show notes on SoundCloud and CareerMatters.com. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or review. And if you really, really loved it, Definitely go ahead and share this amongst your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medicine Podcast. Thank you.